Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Backburner podcast is sponsored by Birch Barrel. Hey, I just came back from Argentina and... I'm going to tell you what, the birch barrel is legit. Everything they say it is with regards to asado cooking. Uh, Absolutely everything you can do on a perilla down in Argentina is everything you can do with a a birch barrel grill. We're getting into hunting season. I know you guys are thinking about, hey, what am I going to cook? And there's nothing better than meat over fire. I mean, there's nothing more primal than that. Uh, check out Birch Barrel. Visit their website, uh, birchbarrel.com. You'll see the actual barrel itself. You'll see all the accessories they have. They actually have a macho que bracho uh, lump charcoal, um, which is the exact wood that they use down in, in Argentina for all the cooking down there. Uh, it want, adds wonderful flavor to your meat. I talked about it uh, a little bit before, but you know, a lot of people worry about what seasonings and everything goes on top of the grill. You should also be worried about what's going underneath it. Um, so take a look at Birch Barrel. Use my promo code BURNER, B-U-R, any art checkout for a 10% discount. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to From the Backburner Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Odell. And, man, uh, it's been a, a whirlwind trip. Um, and... Uh, I'm back now in the States. Uh, everything's good. And, and uh, my next guest, who I'm super excited to have on, um, if you're not familiar with him, I would probably guess that you've seen his work. You're probably more familiar with that because he's in like a thousand different places, uh, images, uh, photographs, you name it. Probably one of the most underrated uh, Instagram accounts I think you'll, you'll find out there. Um, big proponent of Vortex socks. Uh, for sure. Um, but uh, anyway, I'd like to welcome him now, uh, Sam Soholt. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, for those who, who aren't familiar with you out there, which I can't believe there would be anybody, but uh, um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, and all that. Sure. Uh, so, I've been... I, I'd hate to like, you know, I've been in the industry, quote unquote, for, <laughs> for over a, over a decade now, which is hard to believe. Um, but I got my start in video and photography. I've been a professional video and videographer and photographer for 11 years now. Um, but I got my start as an intern with Midwest Whitetail down in Southern Iowa. And from that, I just kind of snowballed it into this, uh, kind of wild career that I've had over the last decade. But, um, yeah, I've been doing, uh, mostly professional photography for a bunch of brands in the outdoor industry. Um, like, like you said, Vortex socks, I've been working <laughs> with Vortex for a long time, you know, work with companies like first light and, uh, prime bows. And, um, but I get to live this kind of, kind of cool life, uh, on the edge of photographer, videographer slash ambassador for these brands. Um, I, because I, I picked up a camera 10 years ago because I wanted to spend more time in the woods. I wanted to figure out a way, like, how can I, how can I hunt more days each year? And that little magic black box seemed like the best answer. So <laughs> I started, started carrying a camera and shooting photos and, uh, just networking my ass off, trying to meet as many people as I could. Um, 
And the photography career took me in a pretty cool path because the uh, uh, now the last five years have really been kind of shifted, still do a lot of photography and video, but have shifted more to kind of public land advocacy as well as conservation work. Um, so obviously do that, uh, do a lot of talking about different uh, public land issues and, and wildlife and habitat issues and try to rally people around different bills and legislation that are, that are good for sportsmen and women. And uh, on like major cherry on top, uh, because of all this, my brother and I got to start a company called Public Land Tees as a way to give back to all of the organizations uh, that protect all of that habitat for us to use. So it's, it's been kind of a crazy path and journey, but it's, it's led me to a pretty cool place and I've got to meet a lot of cool people like yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, so I, I don't want to gloss over one particular thing that I, I think you might've missed in there. So originally you picked up the black box to spend more time out in the woods. And then from my perspective, I think you just got tired of sleeping on the ground and, <laughs> and decided, well, if I could just spend more time out in the woods, I should have something that, you know, is a little bit more comfortable. So you built the public lands bus yes first yep. <laughs> yep yep so that was yeah that was the big project five years ago uh it was it's kind of um yeah the public land bus was really kind of a, a launch pad into the space that you know i'm in now but uh it was i had kind of come off like a really good year of photography and had started to i had like all these goals in my head for like things i wanted to accomplish which was like you know cover photo on a magazine um, you know, shooting for particular brands, like kind of had like this checklist of stuff that I was like really pursuing. And I'd kind of made it to that peak and was kind of like, all right, what's the next big project? And this, this idea of converting a school bus had been floating around. Josh had thought about using a bus as like a marketing rig for his store in uh, Fort Collins when he had an archery pro shop and, you know, maybe it could have been like a mobile bow shop or it could have been this. And then, you know, kind of like it ended with, Oh, we could use it as like a, like throw some bunk beds in there and use it as a Turkey tour, like vehicle and whatever. And, but this concept of a school bus kind of just sat in my brain. And, uh, every time I would see one drive by, I just always saw like the possibility of what a school bus could be. And so, you know, I was dumb enough to buy one, uh, in the fall of the, basically the end of year 2016 and then did a full build out on it in 17 and then lived in a school bus for a better part of two and a half years, which was just amazing. And I got, to, I traveled all over the country and got to hunt and fish and spend time with cool people. It was, yeah. And, and basically the whole concept was to use it as a giant billboard to talk about, uh, public land issues and get people fired up about getting involved. Sure. Well, then that, transition you you and josh morphed the the follow-up to that was we could use something a little little smaller <laughs> a little more nimble yeah i don't know how nimble you know a, a chevy express 3500 is but it uh we uh, yeah so so following the bus uh josh and i bought a 2010 chevy express 3500 and then drove it to Pennsylvania and had Quigley 4x4 do a full four-wheel drive conversion, put a lift on it. And then uh, we drove it back out, used it that fall. You got to see it in its like true form where it was just like that we took all the seats out, but we had yeah. like makeshift cots in the back built out of two by fours and plywood <laughs> and, uh, and had it down in Arizona for a coosier hunt down there. And, and, uh, I just remembered we drove around in the van and shot 
uh, antelope jackrabbits and stuff. <laughs> it's just awesome. And then, yeah. And then Josh and I did a full build out on that van and kind of turned it into a bit more of a beast, uh, than your typical passenger van. Right. <laughs> And then you had to add a trailer too, because it still wasn't enough to haul. Well, all the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we got, uh, lent a, a pretty, uh, badass like adventure trailer, which honestly was like the perfect thing because we didn't want to build in that uh, same thing with the bus because we hunt in cold weather quite a bit. We never wanted to have like plumbing in there. Like we had talked about it, had thought about doing like a kitchen in the van and kind of thing. But when it came down to it, we were just like, ah, I just don't want to deal with water and pipes and you know stuff you know if it freezes and and uh yeah so the trailer has a built-in kitchen so it's it's it's, uh it's the perfect combo of rigs yeah no it's uh uh, it's a pretty it's a beast that there's that's i mean i don't think there's a better word for it you know than than, you know and i think it's passed a lot of the trials and tribulations um southern arizona's rough country roads are not exactly <laughs> forgiving. No, um, not at all. I don't know that the bus could turn around in some of those uh, areas, but <laughs> no, no, you know, it, it's funny. Cause I had originally planned on trying to drive the bus down for Coos deer camp that first year that uh, Newberg invited me down. And I just, <clears throat> with, uh, with how far that trip is and like being, you know, that far South in Arizona, it was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I need to drive the bus all the way down there, but yeah, the van has made the made the tour a couple times. Yeah, no, we had we had a good time hunting and and doing a lot of that that stuff. But um, it, it was kind of like I got to meet you and Josh and and uh, you know really introduced to like you know public land tees. Um, <clears throat> had a lot of other folks down there too as well. Um, my buddy Tyler Webster from the Booze Birds and Puds buds podcast um is actually very upset with you because if you didn't live in north dakota then he would be the most famous north dakotan in the hunting industry but um, <laughs> i think he still probably has more notoriety than i do so that's good oh, yeah. yeah well well he's he that title yeah he's, he's 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 still pretty upset about it i can i, I hear it in his voice all the time he's, he's very depressed but um but yeah i mean you you have like kind of this this uh a lot of the public land tees messaging and stuff like that, you know, revolve around uh, kind of that two side, the the public lands, you know, side of it to be like, hey, you know, like this is open to everyone and, and you know, it's something that, that we need to preserve. And then you also, you know, really recognize that meat side of it, you know, like the public land meat company um, yep. logos and things like that. And then uh, done a lot of other cool work, like you said, for, for uh, some of the other organizations. I mean, recently you had that... Uh, uh, pheasants forever quail forever um, shirt you guys came out with um, in partnership with them and um, you, have you done some other ones yeah so we did <clears throat> yeah the pollinator math tea uh, <clears throat> was kind of cool we did we donated all of the shirts to um, to give away with all of the pheasants forever they had like 300 uh, pollinator kits that they sent out <clears throat> when you signed up for a membership so we just donated that as part of it and obviously you can buy that shirt now on our website but um, we've done we've worked with, uh, and donated to, uh, at this point, nine different organizations. And so every, everyone from TRCP, RMEF, Quail Forever, Pheasants Forever, you know, um, backcountry hunters and anglers, you name it. We've, we've tried to do our best to like, the the goal of this is to kind of create community. Right. And we just, we didn't want to, you know, for lack of a better analogy, hitch our 
wagon to one horse like we, you know we wanted a whole team of uh to work with a whole team of organizations um to help spread the word on different issues because we are passionate about hunting and fishing like all like all things you know we, we're just we've we've always said that we're we're sportsmen you know like it's like you know some people are elk hunters and some people are fly fishermen and we just like being outside so it's a, sure. yeah <clears throat> that's kind of been the, the mission yeah and it so one of the the programs in particular, though, that that I think took a whole step further that that really intrigued me about what you were doing, um, and I'd love to hear kind of the backstory of how that came about. But uh, it's your Stamp It Forward uh, program. Absolutely, we're uh, we're in the thick of our fourth Stamp It Forward initiative uh, this year, so it's been it's been going good. Um, but no, so the, kind of the concept stemmed from. Well, two things. So Josh and I grew up in South Dakota and, uh, I think, I think Josh was 16, 15 or 16. He got invited on a youth duck hunt. And up until that point, we'd kind of been upland hunters. You know, we might do the occasional deer hunt type of thing. Um, but went on a youth duck hunt and my dad used to duck hunt when he was younger and, and, uh, but Josh just fell in love with it. And of course, Josh, my older brother, I look, I've, you know, look up to him my whole life, still look up to him. Um, of course, like I'm going to fall in love with waterfowl hunting. So we, uh, we dove in really hard and did nothing but waterfowl hunt basically from, well, I would think I, I was 12 and four years younger than Josh. Uh, for me, like I did nothing but duck hunt until I was 24. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, I mean, like I said, I might deer hunt every few years or whatever, but it was always like, um, you know, Friday night football was done and we were like ripping to wherever to go hunt the next morning. It was like, that was the focus. And I chose to go to North Dakota state university based on waterfowl hunting. I was like, Oh, I can hunt North Dakota and South Dakota and chase ducks, all migration, hunt with my dad, hunt with my buddies, you know, like, and, uh, so it kind of like, there was this love for waterfowl and everything waterfowl migration related was, was already there. And, um, you know, as we kind of dove into all the public land side of thing, all the conservation side of thing, you start to better understand these tools that are in place. And, you know, you have things like Pittman-Robertson Act, Land and Water Conservation Fund or whatever, but you start to look at, okay, what's really effective for preserving uh, habitat? And the duck stamp is arguably like not only one of the easiest ways to get involved with conservation, but as far as a funding mechanism for habitat is definitely one of the best tools in place because by law, 98% of that purchase price has to be spent on wetland conservation. So, um, so obviously started to learn about that and then started to, you know, I got to hang out in the photography space. I got to hang out with a lot of cool people and, you know, I had, you know, listen to Renella on a podcast, just talk about the duck stamp at one point and how people should buy two because of the money it raises. And, and then I was in, I was shooting photos with the duck dynasty boys, uh, the duck men down in Louisiana. And, uh, one of the guys, Justin Martin, he was talking about, he's like, Oh, I buy 10 duck stamps every year because, um, a, it's good for money for conservation, but if somebody forgets one or, you know, I'm always giving them out. And so like this little like seed started to grow and, I started to try to figure out, okay, how, how could we leverage the duck stamp to infuse more money into the system? Like, how do we, how do we make this, a, a, how do we like kind of rebrand the duck stamp a little bit and make it a cool thing to purchase because you know how much money is going into protecting habitat. And, 
it went th- in my, in my brain, it went through lots of iterations. I was like, okay, maybe I could rally the troops and like, you know, talk to all of my quote unquote influencer, you know, people I know in the, in the hunting space to like, just tell everyone to go buy duck stamps and try to, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, it's hard to quantify then if you do that, it's hard to like have an actual total number of stamps purchased and, and really, you know, l- allow people to see like how much money is being raised. So what we eventually came up with was, and, pr- and I have no idea how this worked, but it continues to work. Uh, so early October, 2019, I just put a video out there and said, Hey, uh, I just took $2,500 cash out of our public land. T- so $5 from every item we sell at public land tees, we donate back to conservation. Uh, so I just put out a video. I said, Hey, I took $2,500 out of our donation fund from public land tees. And I drove around to like nine different post offices and I bought a hundred federal duck stamps. And I just said like that, that, that's not the end goal. The end goal is to buy as many as we possibly can to raise money for conservation. And so I just asked people to send me money directly or send us money directly, like, uh, through Venmo and PayPal the first year, we didn't even have it set up on the website. It was just, (laughs) (laughs) and then, um, I just, every time people were sending me money, I was just posting about how many more duck stamps we could buy. And in year one, we bought, uh, just over a thousand, about a 1,008 federal duck stamps. So year one, we raised, yeah, $25,000. Uh, year two, we were a little bit more organized. <laughs> so we had it on, had a donation, uh, on the website you could donate to. Um, and then obviously Venmo, PayPal, cash app, however, people wanted to, to send their money and, Again, 100% of the money we receive, we go buy duck stamps. So year two, we bought 1,583 duck stamps. Year three, last year, we bought 1,182. And then this year, rather than leaving it open-ended, we have set a goal of purchasing 2,000 uh, duck stamps with the, the goal of raising $50,000 in a single year. So we bought another 200 to kick it off. And then... Um, we are uh, tracking really well. So it just keeps like the momentum keeps building and it's been really cool. We've had a lot of companies and individuals like get creative with it. You know, people are doing like their own little giveaway to raise money for it and giving to it. Like these guys at identical draw um, raised, I was, what was it enough for 51 stamps and sent that to us. And, you know, we've got a, an artist who's going to do a painting on a Yeti cooler for us and, and raffle that off and raise funds. We've got, it's just it's been a very, very cool way to like get people involved. And we've got to meet like just some of the things that start to happen. You know, we had the two years ago, we had the, uh, I guess it was no, the first year we had the artist of the duck stamp, send us a video and got to post that. And the winner of this year's duck stamp is actually my wife's college roommate's uncle. <laughs> so, so I, I, uh, I'm going to go get to meet, uh, Jim Houtman and go hang out with him for a day and just see all of his out- artwork and everything. And his brother just won the duck stamp. So, I mean, it's, it's been a very cool project, um, and a very cool way to like rally sportsmen and women. Yeah, no, I, and, and I think one of the other things, uh, about it is, is yeah, you bought all these stamps and you raised the money, but you went and took it a step further and said, okay, we're going to send out a free duck stamp to you that we've purchased um, with an order. Yeah. So so if someone comes and they buy a shirt, you know, 
a portion of that is going back into conservation already and on top of that. And then you're going to receive this free duck stamp. And I can't tell you how many folks I've talked to who said, I already had my duck stamp. So I invited a friend to go. So I gave him the duck stamp or, you know, it, 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 it was almost like a recruitment tool um, for new duck hunters. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, and so I would arguably say, I mean, I've seen these numbers for a long time about how the world of of recruitment of new hunters kind of works. And every time you looked at the duck stuff, like one of the things that we found out is, in order to make a duck hunter, um, you have to be a duck hunter. Like, like a duck hunter has to take someone duck hunting, and like yes. that's literally because duck hunting is so uh, regulation intensive. I mean, it's it's just the super complex regulations people are afraid like they don't go duck hunting because they're afraid they're going to break the law it's you have to be a little more savvy of a hunter you know to to do this and it's it's identifying what species as well as what sex in low light conditions you know in a swamp somewhere in in pretty dangerous conditions as it is i mean you know you're stepping off into into water you have unknown depth and you're wearing a bunch of heavy gear that you know, could could theoretically suck mm-hmm. you down to the bottom and or you know i mean i've been in i've hunted in in arkansas where there's alligators swimming by or mm-hmm. <laughs> like like it, duck hunting isn't like the most easy friendly accessible thing to a lot of folks but uh you know when you when you have the opportunity like oh you know i have an extra stamp just giving it out to you know one of your new buddies or, or teaching someone how to duck hunt you know hey I got it. I already got your stamp. You know, I got you covered on that end, you know, like, so here it goes. So you're, you're kind of not only raising funds, you know, for. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply waterfowl habitat and all that stuff you're creating more waterfowl hunters to be able to feed into that system too at the same time so it's kind of a this you know this circle that's growing ever growing yeah for sure no i'm glad you brought it up i was uh i just like yes and we're still doing it uh so if you go to the website uh, publiclandtees.com and we send out a free duck stamp with every single item you purchase over at the website and like you said, like just you heard it from buddies, like that they're taking friends or whatever. I can't tell you, and and we're actually going to start sharing. Uh, so anybody listening to this, if you've bought an item from us and taken somebody out, we'd love to hear your story. Um, but I can't tell you how many messages that we have received from people who are like, "Hey, uh, I ordered whatever three shirts from you and got the stamps." Obviously, I you know I either already had a stamp or I only needed one. Like I took my dad out who hadn't hunted waterfowl in like 15 years, you know, or it's, it, it constantly, we get to hear that cool stuff. And, um, so yeah, we're going to start sharing those stories. So if any of you listening have one of those stories from our program, uh, would love to, you know, just send a direct message and we'll, we'll share away. So, um, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's a super cool program. I mean, it's, it's, and I love that there's, you know, kind of that long-term building because, um, one of the things I, I don't think people know about the stamp as well. So there are only a couple of states that actually require you to have the duck stamp to go on to the federal refuges, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what it is. I mean, they like Washington state is one of them where even if you just want to, if you're a bird watcher, 
you have to buy the duck stamp in order to enter onto the property of the of the refuge to be able to you know view wildlife yeah which is which is a great way of getting the folks who aren't in the hunting community you know involved in that conservation that area because it's like oh yeah here's this refuge it's you know it's meant for everyone and hunters have been the ones kind of paying for it but i think it helps you know tell that story of yeah, hunters have been contributing to this and and here's a way for you, you know, if you enjoy this refuge and seeing all these birds every year, you know, here here's the way you can feed into that system. And so there's only a couple of states where that's where it's mandatory in that sense. But yeah. You know, because I can't tell you, I mean, I, I've been on a number of refuges um at different points of the year and and uh you know, you you get strange looked at, you know, um as your hunter. I I went to uh I don't remember. I, w- I was in New Mexico and I went to uh, Bosque del Apache because um, I wanted to, to check it out and see. The cranes are always down there and there's always a bunch of snow geese. And so I was curious. I, I was hoping to find their little pamphlet about, you know, what the, the hunting situation was and, and all that on, on Bosque. And uh, the volunteer who was working at the counter um, was like, we, we offer hunting here? You know, when I asked for the, the, the pamphlet and I was like, it's like, this is a refuge. And I'm like going yeah that's that's correct and and so actually one of the the actual fish and wildlife service uh employees came out and oh yeah here and he pulls out a box and hands me the the thing and and it sparked a great conversation with her because you know the term refuge has this connotation of right you know like it's it's a it's a refugium where there isn't hunting but um she uh she got an education that day um you know and and kind of how that all works and and all that. but it was surprising to me that yeah a volunteer who works at a refuge didn't know that <laughs> there were hunting opportunities on that same refuge you know mm-hmm. yeah. um but uh yeah. and yeah the the stamps you know pay for that and yeah. you know for it to be that high so right now it's $25 so yep. you know the the 98% so what is that like $24 and you know, yeah, something right in there. Per, yeah. You know, I probably should know that right off the top of my head. But. A little bit of, yeah, a little bit of uh, uh, fees, you know, for administrative stuff. But uh, yeah. um, and then there's folks, you know, who collect the stamp. I know there, there's folks who don't even, you know, they don't hunt, but it's the really trying to bring back the importance of the art side of that because yes. it's the duck stamp is, has always been for the the wildlife art world, kind of the Super Bowl mm-hmm. um, of wildlife art. You know, um, and there's, yeah, there's been a lot of names, the Halfman's, um, Sherry Russell Moline, who, who did, I've met her, um, seen a bunch of her stamps. She's done, you know, even stamps for states, yep. um, different species and all that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a cool program to be able to see. I know, uh, as you know, Chris Nikolai was, was one of the judges, um, this year. Um, and so he was over the moon on that. I, I worked with him back when he was part of the fish and wildlife services, as one of the, the researchers uh, down in this area and, and uh, I talked to him, but yeah, like I think he, now he works for Delta waterfowl, but um, you yep. know, to be a judge for that um, is really, really kind of a, a huge honor because there's not very yeah. many people who get that either. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what a, what a crazy cool experience. And uh, there's a great documentary called the million dollar duck. Yeah. And I think you have to rent it on Amazon or buy it or whatever. But if, if, uh, if anybody wants to know more about like the, the art contest itself, like that is a very, very cool piece that was put together about all of like kind of follows several different artists like through their season and like, you know, going out and taking photos of the, the 
different ducks that are, you know, you can paint for that particular year and um, just like their process and stuff. It's just really, really cool. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for those who don't know there, there was for a while and I don't know if it's still going on, but there was a junior stamp. Um, still going on. A lot of States had gone on. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. Love, love seeing the kids. Like, you know, I, frankly, I mean, some of their artwork I think could, you know, beat some of the adults in the, in the competition, even though it's, yeah. you know, so it's a little more abstract, but, um, you know, uh, some of the kids is just uh, like amazing, amazing talent. Yeah. They had, uh, I was walking in shields, um, last year, kind of like during the, the stamp contest was going on and the, they had all of the junior artwork, like up on a big board or whatever. And there was one, uh, and I, he actually sent me a message and I, now I can't remember his name, but he, uh, I like, I remember walking by the board and looking and I was like, well, that one's a photo. And it like, no, it was a painting. It was so good. I was like, this, I was like, this kid is going to win like this at some point, like this, like it's going to come together for him. This kid's been in art school since he was born. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's been bred for the the duck stamp contest. (laughs) So, um, I, I I tell you, I run into Sam at like kind of different events and all that stuff. And he's like, always kind of, he's perched usually somewhere in a corner with his camera but usually somewhere near food. Um, yep. Always. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> so, uh, I was curious as far as, uh, since you did duck on a lot, like what's your favorite way that you've kind of developed or, or used to, to make ducks. So, yep. So, uh, growing up, um, our dad didn't know how to cook wild game. And so we made a ton of just duck jerky. Like that was kind of the, that was the go-to. Um, but thankfully I've been able to hang out with guys like you, Hank Shaw, you know, people that actually know how to cook. And so now my absolute favorite is, uh, like plucked, uh, breasted with the fat still on or spatchcock with all that extra fat and then pan seared, um, with a little bit like seasoned and then pan seared in that, in its own fat or like in some, like make some bacon and then, just sear it real hot on the fat side and then flip it over and medium rare. And oof, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> it doesn't get, it doesn't, I don't know if it gets better than that. Um, it, yeah. it's hard, That's you know, scary. I mean, uh, any five-star restaurant, it's, it's kind of one of the cool things that I found out is that any five-star restaurant here in the United States and, and we're just talking about five-star, this isn't the Michelin side of things, but it, to, in order to have your five-star, your fifth star, you have to have duck on the menu. Really? Um, I did not know that. And and so that dates clear back really to the market hunting days. Yeah. Um, you know, of when like August Escoffier was 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 hired by the Ritz to move to New York and kind of bring French cuisine to, to the Americas and and of course, you know, we were harvesting ducks on the East Coast. All the major c- cities along the coast are, you know, in these bays and estuaries where where ducks were were pretty much harvested by the the you know, semi truck full, mm-hmm. um, probably on a daily basis and, and, you know, sold and served in restaurants. I mean, the Waldorf story had a, had a half a roasted rare canvas back duck. Um, it was really the most expensive meal in America at the time. Um, you know, it was at top of the line. So yeah, any of the, if you see a, you know, some quote unquote, a five-star restaurant, they're going to have duck on the menu. Um, and so it, it dates back to that era, uh, for some, some reason, you know, like, and, and they do it up uh, a numerous different ways, at least the, the few that I've tried where it's like, okay, you know, they, they, there's, there's a, I know there's a restaurant in San Francisco. 
Um, and it's, it's actually, I can't, I wish I could remember the name of it, but they roast a whole duck. Okay. Um, and then they put it in like this giant press. Um, and they like, like, this is like a 20 ton press, Yeah. (laughs) but it's a hand crank and they crank it down just to extract the juices out of the bird, out of the cooked bird, uh, to serve with another piece of cooked duck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, they they make their sauce out of it, but it's, it's kind of like, yeah, they just throw this whole duck in there and squeeze it down, just (laughs) like juicing them, you know? Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild, but I can't argue that duck juice isn't very good though. Like, you know, duck juice is, is, it's pretty worthwhile. I mean, you know, yeah. render fat and all that stuff. I mean, I, I don't know if I have to invest in a, in a duck press now um, to, <laughs> to juice my own ducks. I think you should. Yeah, I, just want, yeah. I just want to come eat it. <laughs> we can start our own duck juice bar. Yeah, there you um, go. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, you mentioned another thing just a second ago because you and I have had this long discussion um, about never going snackless. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I know jerky's high on your list Oh yeah. Of, of, you know, when you're out hunting, you, you, you can't go out snackless. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's kind of become one of my things. <laughs> uh, and, and it's been, yeah, for anybody listening, I have gone a little overboard on the, the never go snackless <laughs> campaign. Um, I, there was, I'm trying to, I think it was four or five years ago. Um, I was, I took, I had a Yeti bottle and I baked a bunch of pizza rolls and then I threw them in my Yeti bottle to keep them hot. And then I ate them like hot pizza rolls. Like that was like three or four hours later when I was in the tree stand and, uh, I posted about it obviously and people lost their minds. And so that really fueled like, okay, how creative with this can I get? So, (laughs) so since then I've, I've tried to come out with a you know, a kind of a ridiculous tree stand snack every year. So, uh, the following year I did biscuits and gravy. So I made, woke up at like 3am and made sausage gravy and, and fresh biscuits and, and then went to the tree. And I'll tell you what, like I did it as, you know, kind of a joke. Um, cause most of the time I'm just snacking on whatever jerky and that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, like on a cold morning, when you pour sausage gravy over a cold biscuit, like <laughs> mid morning and you're like just shivering in the tree, that's pretty dang good. Uh, so, and then, and then I did, uh, I took two bottles last year or last year, year I don't know. I took two bottles in and, and did uh, a hot apple pie in one of the bottles and ice cream in the other. So that I could do a like scoop of pie, scoop of ice cream. Yep. So yeah, it's nice. been, it's been fun. I, I, uh, have a major sweet tooth. Uh, and so I snack a lot when I'm in the woods. <laughs> well, I know you're a football fan. Yep. So I want to know your top five draft picks of snacks, um, in oh, order one okay. to five for the tree stand for, okay. So hmm. That's tough. Like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do I'll, like my ridiculous ones. Biscuits and gravy was probably the best. Uh, pizza rolls is pretty dang good. And then if you go like just normal snacks, I'm a big gummy, like gummies guy, but Haribo gold bears, um, your standard Snickers is always a good go-to. And let's see, number five, what's a, what's a good one? Oh, probably just like cookies to go along with hot coffee. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would I would have to say so usually like my duck blind bag, that's the whole I I the guys laugh at me because I will throw just, you know, 
I'm always eating in the duck blind. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're there. All right, snack time. Oh, there's a break in the action snack time. Um, <laughs> my Probably mine, I would have to say, uh, jerky's up there, but uh, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big little Debbie fan. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially the oatmeal cream pies. Yeah. Um, so that's, because even if they get smashed, they're still good. Like still that's, good. that's what I always worry about what's in the bag is like, it's likely going to get smashed. So it still needs to be like, okay. Yeah. Even if it gets, you know, stepped on or, you know, dunked underwater or whatever else. And the is. thing about OCPs is they're good next year too. Yeah. Like oh yeah. Get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I found some at the bottom of my bag before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- those two are probably pretty high on my list. Um, uh, I usually make a sandwich at least, mm-hmm. you know, um, you just never know. It's like, sometimes you're just like, okay, we're going to decide to stay out here all day or whatever. And all right, you know, I'm just gonna, I'll just make a, a, a buddy of mine loves the Uncrustables though. Ooh, like yeah. that's his, that's his jam. Yeah. Um, if he gets the Uncrustables, there's is always, he's always got the PB and J Uncrustables in his bag. So fun fact, I actually know the guy who invented Uncrustables. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, he is a, like part of a family who's a big, like family friends of ours from way back. Um, it's people that my parents knew when we were growing up and then, um, yeah, it was one of their kids that invented it like however many years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, this big tale about the Smuckers company and, you know, no, no, it was, it, it was like, it was this guy and his buddy, uh, you know, they were like making sandwiches for the kids or whatever and cutting the crust off and like, you know, kind of just stem this idea around the Island in the kitchen. It wasn't like, you know, and then Smuckers bought it. And, yep. So rest is yeah. history, but no, that's, yeah. yeah oh, that's, I was going to say, here's a pro tip for anybody who likes, uh, like blind snacks or whatever. Um, if you make, if you have breakfast burritos, cause a lot of time you're hunting in the morning, if you have breakfast burritos in tin foil, and you can't do it on a bot like a Yeti bottle because it uh, cuts off the air circulation. But if you do it on like one of the like the coffee mugs, you throw the your cylinder of tinfoil breakfast burrito in your coffee mug, but wrap it with hand warmers, and then so <laughs> it keeps it hot in the in the deal, and then you can eat a hot breakfast burrito later. Well, yeah. So I'm I'm known for my breakfast burritos at Crane Camp. Like I wake up extra early before all the guys and get get started because we have to eat breakfast burritos before we leave and and the one condiment that's always there is trader joe's green dragon sauce mm-hmm. like that's that's a must like like the camp can't happen someone has to drive back to town <laughs> go get it but uh no i hadn't thought about how to bring breakfast burritos out there so yeah if you're bringing a bunch of them the little yeti uh hopper flip the little like it's like basically a lunchbox size right like uh warm that up throw all those burritos in there yep that'll work good okay yep. I'll, yeah, we've done it with uh, McDonald's mind. breakfast sandwiches in the in the little hopper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely load up. Oh yeah, yeah. Or did you know this is a game? This is going to be a game changer for me. This fall. I haven't ordered it yet, but they make twelve volt crock pots. So you really? can heat it. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. So you could set it on your center console in your truck and, and have a little warming deal for all of your stuff before you go out to the field. Now I've had, um, the 12 volt, like I, I, the thing about me is like, I love my dad instilled in me this love of truck stops. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, truck stop food, especially if there's a diner there and yep. particularly like the breakfasts. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, like when I was a kid, uh, there was a, there was a big one in Belgrade, Montana. It was called bears. 
Mm-hmm. Now it's changed hands and it's like pile or something, but they had this big restaurant. We would go there, but it's, you know, I mean, it's all greasy spoon type stuff, but, um, it was there that I, that I learned about everything that truckers have access to, um, as far as, you know, for the inside of the cab of their truck and they're all those 12 volt, you know, plug in things. And so I have like, I had, I have small 12 volt crock pots, like, like a really small, like it would be, it's probably not even enough to hold a can of soup, but you know, they have that. I've got like, you know, ovens, uh, you plug in, uh, immersion heaters, um, mm-hmm. you can plug in. So if your, if your coffee gets cold, you can just plug it in, let it sit there. It'll heat up. And, uh, you know, like you can cook a, almost a halfway decent gourmet meal inside the, the just, your vehicle. Just on 12 volt accessories. Just 12 volt accessories. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's, yeah. So like for me, I stop at a loves flying J pilot, you name it. Like I'm, I'm going to take a quick swing through mm-hmm. the trucker accessories just to see if there's something I don't have or something I need. Yep. Um, cause a lot of them come with like disposable aluminum tray things. Yep. Um, so that the cleanup is way better, um, in that particular instance. So it's like, Oh yeah, I need to refill these, you know, yeah. uh, the, the, the oven plats or something like that. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. So I'm going to have to try to get super creative with the, uh, the old 12 volt crock pot. Like, like, Oh, I'm driving four hours to go hunt today. Like I'm going to cook, <laughs> cook along the way. Well, it, it, those ones are a little different because there's no like low setting, high set. Like you just kind of get the one yeah. setting from what I've seen. <laughs> yep. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, I, I've done it. Like I've heated up cheese in it. Um, so like you could have hot cheese and so you just open a bag of tortillas and just eat, you know, queso while talking. you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So from your experience, I mean, it's, you, you and Josh have had public land teas for a while and, and mm-hmm. all that and, and fairly good response, at least from what, you know, I've seen, um, yeah, actually running yeah, with just, a lot of folks with your shirts on and yeah. stuff. I, I know like you kind of gave a hint on your Instagram, like a few days ago that you were, you, you've got some new designs coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, yeah. We just, uh, we just dropped two new designs when we kicked off the stamp giveaway. Um, uh, but we've got another one coming should launch within the next I'm guessing under a week, probably. And then we have a graphic designer far more, more talented than I am working on one for us that should also come out. Um, but yeah, we, we're trying to, we're trying to up our game on, uh, on some, some new and improved designs and, and, uh, you know, we'll probably eventually start to recycle and, and, uh, get rid of a few of the old designs that just, you know, kind of are either outdated or just, you know, aren't real hot sellers for us. But yeah, we've, uh, we celebrated our fifth anniversary, uh, in August of this year. And since, uh, so at that point, um, collectively between, Stamp it forward, conservation crossing, a lot of these other initiatives, as well as everything we've sold. Um, at that point, we had raised and donated uh, $187,000 um, for conservation. And now, with this year's Stamp It Forward going and everything, uh, everything we've sold since August, we're over the $200,000 mark, uh, somewhere around $210,000 raised for conservation. That's freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> we're, we're super jacked about it. You know, we couldn't do it without all the people that follow along and like really want to support like these initiatives. So it's, it's been very cool. Yeah. Well, I would, I would say, you know, some of those designs that, that, you know, you were just kind of, I think you were downplaying them a little bit too much. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Some of those, those, now they're collector's edition. That's right. They're, now they're going to be limited edition when they go away. So like yep. if anyone's out there who desperately wants 
some of the old because you know we haven't said which ones are disappearing on this show. No, and I'm not gonna oh. I'm not gonna choose yet. But, <clears throat> yeah, but right. yeah, we. So, yeah. If you want any of those old ones, like you know, I, I get on it right now. You know? Yeah, get on um, the website, scroll to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the secret trick? No, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I, I, I'm not super good at like bringing like you know some of our older designs back to the top, so I just need to do a big resort on the website. But um, but yeah, I don't I don't even know how many designs we have at this point. Like probably thirty five different designs ish. Yeah, um, between. Yeah, and everything. If you if you like fish tacos, we got a shirt for that. If you like the old duck hunt game, we got a shirt for that. If you like, uh, you know, cooking your own food, we've got plenty of shirts for that. We've got, you know, so it's we try to we try to have a lot of fun with it. Well, I can tell you. So, so you left me with a stack of stickers yep. from that first trip, and I brought them to the office, and you should have seen like the dog pile fight over like who's getting what stickers and all kinds of other stuff. Like they loved the September elk. They loved mm-hmm. the, you know, November yep. deer. Like there was like, oh yeah, there, there's some, a couple people are still fighting over because there was only one left. Well, and so uh, they're, they're, <laughs> see this, these are the kind of things you got to let me know. I'll, uh, Josh does all of our um, creation and shipping of all of the merch. And so I'll have to have them send a big manila envelope full of well, no, I don't like. I don't want more because it's just total entertainment for me. Oh. Like, it's still like I'm still. It's still paying pay dividends. You know, this oh, many years since. So, perfect. Like, I don't. I don't want there to be more. So they actually each have one. Like, fighting over the one is still good. Oh, that's better. Yeah, we'll just keep um, it like that then. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have a challenge set up or something. Oh, so what's uh, what's in store for you this year? So I uh, this year was kind of a funny one. Um, so for the past decade, so my wife, um, the whole time we dated and she was like, so, and got engaged. So she's been in grad school and, and was still back in, in North Dakota. And so a lot of, I was spending a lot of time back in, uh, North Dakota with her. And then I would travel West to go elk hunt, mule deer hunt and whatever. And, uh, I love whitetail hunting. So finally, like this year, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go hard on whitetail. I'm just going to see how many, get a bunch of tags and hunt dakotas nebraska minnesota you know just like basically hunt the midwest and uh and then my wife started doing travel occupational therapy and her first rotation is i'm currently in idaho falls idaho uh without an elk tag (laughs) without a builder tag uh so like you know i drove 15 hours to go back and whitetail hunt uh opener in north dakota (laughs) it's been um so i've got a bunch of uh I'm going to the rest of the year, you know, basically through early December, I've got, uh, three different deer hunts and then I'm going to try to chase roosters and, and ducks and geese. Uh, and then Josh and I are going up to Kodiak the day after Thanksgiving and we're living on a boat and hunting uh blacktail for five days. Nice. Yeah. So can't you wait. want to camp on the shore with all the bears or no, I've, you know, I've, <laughs> I lived on Kodiak back in 2013 for five months and I've done the camping on the Island thing with bears and whatever. And, uh, that time of year, I think being on a warm boat with a hot meal and fresh crab and halibut, I think that's going to be better than probably, sleeping on the seaweed beach. Probably a better option. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, there's I, I was just recently in alaska myself and it's just it's it's amazing how um readily accessible uh you know just a lot of the, the natural food resources are mm-hmm. um i mean i was walking around um just you know hillsides it's it's strange coming from the desert 
you know, because I, it's, I, I always tell people, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, I defy you to die. Right. There's so much, like you can't starve to death in the Pacific Northwest. There's so much food, Yep. but it's like food you recognize. Mm-hmm. And so having lived here in the Sonoran Desert for so long, like you have to have some additional know-how of like, oh, this is edible or here's, you know, like you, you don't want to put that in your mouth because there's thorns on it, you know, right. <laughs> you got you to gotta burn that off first right? You know, or whatever. And, uh, but so yeah, just kind of getting back into Alaska and, and, you know, walking around even just in the woods a little bit, I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, there's just, you know, it, it's like the food's just jumping out at you. You know, um, I finally got to see my, my first willow ptarmigan, uh, when I took this ride up the hill on a, on a, on a little, I don't know what they call it. The, there's like a, almost like a ski lift type thing, but it's a big cab and it takes you to the top of the hill over, overlooking Juno. And then, yeah, there's a, there's a willow ptarmigan sitting there just kind of, you know, giving me the middle feather, uh, <laughs> cause I didn't have a shotgun with me. And, uh, uh, but yeah, just to kind of walk around it's, I mean, the mushrooms were out everywhere, even that late in August. And, and it was just like, Oh my Lord, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, I, I think I should probably figure out a way to take a trip with you to, to one of these locations to like actually learn about what's edible, what's not, because that's one thing that I do. I know nothing about like, uh, deer elk birds anything like that i can find but when it comes to foraging i would i would be the worst (laughs) i'd be the worst like you know the show alone i'd be horrible at it all those people you know finding whatever mushrooms and wild onions or whatever i would if i didn't kill a big game animal i would just die (laughs) so you know some some of my friends will attest to the fact that several hunts have been ruined by me finding something um (laughs) because i just like i'm like i switch gears you know we're out quail hunting and it'll be like i'm like Oh, look at that. Oh, there's manzanita berries still in the bush. Oh, they're dried out. Cool. And so I'm digging around. I pull out, you know, a Ziploc bag and I just like drop shotgun vest. All. I'm like, I'm just starting to pick manzanitas for the next two hours. And they're like, I think we're supposed to be quail hunting. I'm like, yeah, we haven't seen too many birds. I'm just like, this is kind of a guarantee here, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah like yeah. that. Yeah. You, you, Cause you just run across stuff. I, um, uh, Hank Shaw and I were, we were actually driving along the, the Mexican border one day. And we're driving out there and, uh, probably, I don't know, we were going at a good clip, but like he screams out, stop the car. You know, we're out on this dirt road. Like it's just, there's the wall and us in the desert and there's no one out there. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, he's like, back up. I think I saw something, you know? And so, yeah, we found these, these little cactus that only kind of grow in that specific region that, that the, the fruits were on. And so, yeah, we spent, I don't know how much time, you know, collecting a bunch of these fruits now. And it's like, oh, yeah, I love it. This is good yeah. to eat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, someone had once told me, they said, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the most productive hunters they've ever met. Um, simply because I will go out and I may not come back with what I intended to, <laughs> but I at least come back with something. Right. I'll be like, Oh, look what I found or, Oh, you know, this, and, uh, you know, learning a bunch of new things. Um, I learned, I learned a ton actually in Argentina on this last trip, uh, just, you know, seeing them grilling and, you know, understanding, you know, what they're doing, uh, to just beef down there. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal, but yeah, getting, getting to see and exposure to some new, new cooking styles, new methods, um, you know, and for me, that's, that's always the fun part about traveling. Cause, uh, I told Randy this, I said, you know, cause he's like, he's like, man, you're like, you know, you're over here, you're going there. Like, and 
And I said, yeah, but I said, the, the fun part is, is being able to share some of that experience with like you guys when I, when I cook at, at, you know, the camps or whatever. Um, because I get to share that trip with you guys in kind of a, a different or unique way. It'll be like, Oh, I'll have this, you know, strange ingredient or new, you know, method on cooking something or trying something out. So that's, to me, that's always the fun part of it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have to say when the last time we were in camp and you made truffle butter javelina burgers, smash burgers, like the fact that you had been to the Pacific Northwest and found truffles right, and then made truffle butter from that and then shot a javelina, you know, use some <laughs> javelina and grab, I mean, like I, yeah, like, so thank you for sharing that experience. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's the fun part. I, I, to me, wild game hasn't been explored enough mm-hmm. in the kitchen. I mean, it, it ended after market hunting, like right. culinary advancement ended for, for wild game and then just was stagnant for a number of years. And so, you know, there's all these things that, you know, God's gift to the world was, was pigs for sure. Um, yes. you know, <laughs> cause you can eat everything but the oink and some people have even tried to cook that, but, um, you know, we have obviously the new world pig javelina, which mm-hmm. draws the ire of a lot of people, um, because there's a ton of people who hate it, you know, and I'm like, no, no, like this is, this is, the pig that that we didn't know about and you know it it should be explored in the kitchen damn it like and it's so good like oh yeah you know i'd heard for a, you know like you said a lot of people like oh it tastes terrible and they are stinky critters you know yeah. like but but um i mean i've i've eaten it now many different ways and i have yet to have a bad javelina meal so <laughs> it's yeah it's delicious yeah. It, well, I mean, if you've ever been to a pig farm, they don't exactly smell the, the best no. in the world either. <laughs> no, so, no, certainly I'm not. Like, I'm like, well, you know, what's, what's the deal? But, um, yeah, that was one of my, my big kind of discoveries was, um, down there in, in Argentina, um, uh, how some of the locals use, uh, javelina, mm-hmm. um, down there, there was a little bit of a language barrier because, um, uh, they use javelina for pigs, for wild okay. pigs. Yep. And then, peccary which is their name um is what they call them in south america they're they're peccaries up here but we call them javelina it's it, there was there was kind of a laughing funny conversation i was having with the guy who was telling me about all the 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 pigs he was shooting javelina and i'm like really and he's like oh yeah and he was showing me photos i'm like oh pigs okay yeah and then you're like oh then he showed me peccaries and i'm like yeah there was javelina and he's like oh okay that makes sense <laughs> <clears throat> you'd appreciate him too because he actually put a mattress in a tree um, he sits in this one particular tree cause he's got a, a, a pig problem yep. and he has to sit up there. He told me this. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, I sit up there and those pigs only come in like after dark, you know, I have a trail camera down there and I get them kind of patterned every few days. And, and when I figure out they're coming in, it's always after dark. And so I have to sit in this tree for hours. Um, you know, can't make a sound, can't eat anything, no snacks, can't have yep. any snacks cause they can smell it. And so he's like, yeah, I've had to sit in this tree for hours waiting for them to come so I can, I can take out these pigs. He's like, I got so frustrated with it. He said, I'm going to be comfortable. And so he took this old mattress and he's like, <laughs> it's literally, you drive up and there's like this mattress in this tree. And I'm like, what is that all about? He's like, oh yeah, that's my pig hunting tree. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's next level and, and I love it. Uh, someday when I have like, you know, like a good, like private chunk to hunt or whatever, I might have to try that because there's some spots where, uh, you know, if you're like deep in like a big bucks bedroom or whatever, like the, you have to get in there super early and it'd be kind of nice to go in at like 
10 p.m. after he's out, you know, feeding in whatever field, and you just go climb in, take a nap, and then get up and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. it, it's it's uh, it gave new meaning to the word treehouse for me. Yeah. For sure. I was like, okay, it's a whole mattress. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, they locals up there in, in northern Argentina cook javelina, so I have some new javelina. Nice. <clears throat> methodologies and stuff to, to work with. So I can't wait to, to try them out a little bit more. Um, yeah. Well, fingers crossed my, my wife's uh, next travel OT position takes me to Arizona or somewhere down there and then we can hang out more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got a little bit of javelina left at this point. So um, yep. yeah, I wanted, wanted to try those that and uh, Argentine chorizo. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not like Mexican chorizo or Spanish chorizo. It's, it's think Italian sausage. Okay. Um, it's a little bit more like that. So my, my mouth is water. <laughs> yeah. It, it by far was just absolutely amazing, but yep. well, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming to hang out for a little bit today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and allowing me to, you know, talk about things like stamp it forward and snacks and it's all been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping you reach that 2000 goal. Yes. Um, Me too. Yeah, so, we're trying really hard. Um, and obviously, like, you know, we're giving stamps out with every every item we sell, but we really encourage people, if they do go buy something on the website, even if they're just ordering through us to get their duck stamp, we encourage them to also make a donation because it kind of, you know, helps stamp it forward, helps keep the train rolling. Oh, for sure. By the yeah. time this podcast airs, it's going to be deep into duck season everywhere in the country. So Love it. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So... Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, thanks for coming on. I want to thank the audience for listening. Um, and uh, hang out, tune in again, and uh, you never know who might show up on the show. Thanks, everybody.